0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, everybody, check out the Break the Bell podcast, where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon for a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world mixed with a side of history. Find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at Break the Bell Pod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Everyone wants to be on the list these days for some reason. Sometimes you don't want to be on the list, but you know what list I wish I was on? I wish I was on the list of people that caught COVID and didn't even know they had it. Because by the time you're listening to this, it's week three now. And, uh, the COVID symptoms are basically gone, as I mentioned last episode, but now I'm dealing with the aftermath of the pneumonia symptoms and like, my gosh, I've never had pneumonia in my life. So to get it at, at my age right now, it, uh, it really took me out of action, but, uh, you know, that's about it. Honestly, I'm kind of relieved. I caught it. Um, you know, in terms of the 2020 curses that have lingered into this new year, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, I got it. I'm good. I can move on with my life. Hopefully I'll be back up to 100% energy soon. But uh, I'll be okay. Um, that's a better outcome than a lot of people right now. And I'm not just talking about the... The, this, the pandemic itself. I'm talking about businesses where two and three, two out of three small businesses in America who had to close down in 2020 are still either closed down indefinitely into this year or they're just permanently shut down totally. Uh, millions, we're talking millions of American children cannot go back to school. Um, thousands of You know, local organizations can no longer meet, and when it comes to the American church, this has been one of those areas that has been uh, quite contentious. But now it seems like the topic has somewhat died down. When I when I say the American church, I'm talking about um, really, you know, American Christians specifically in the United States. Over the past year, Um, their ability to meet have been has been, depending on the state, completely shut down. Their ability to really do anything has been under constant surveillance. And if you're in the state of California, you can't even sing hymns. Uh, I'll be honest, I have not gone to my church in probably seven months. They started doing virtual stuff, but uh, they took a turn in a direction that I disagree with. They went very much on the side of everyone needs to shut down, everyone needs to stay home. Um, It's okay to riot under certain circumstances. And I just, you know, I looked at that and I said, what the heck is going on? Um, It's one of those areas that I've been somewhat disconnected with, especially since I, I left Liberty University in 2017 after I graduated. I'll be honest, I've I've been kind of lapsed in terms of my church attendance. So for many people who that really matters to, it's been even more difficult, and that's what we'll be talking about today, the, Im- the lasting impact of the pandemic and the lockdowns on American churches. For that, I went ahead and... Uh, invited Erica Anderson onto the program today. She's been a freelance writer and digital media marketing professional for 12 years. She writes about addiction, church planting, mental health, politics, policy, culture, fitness, has been also published at the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, National Review, and more. She's also a regular contributor to the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Erica, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you.
0: So I've got to also bring up your podcast. Um, How's that going and everything? What's it called again?
1: Uh, It's called Worth Your Time. And uh, mostly speaking to Christian women, uh, whether they're entrepreneurs or or politicians or ministry leaders. And um, yeah, it's really fun. I get to talk to so many inspiring women. And that's the main reason I love doing the podcast.
0: That's awesome. And I'll go ahead and include uh, links to everything in the show notes today, folks. I'm a, I'm a bit groggy if you haven't been able to tell. So if there's something that I did not mention, bring it up, I will go ahead and make sure you get the links. But uh, Erica, in my area of the Beltway, uh, churches took one of two directions. They either just completely shut down indefinitely, and they're sending out newsletters, or they're doing the uh, the online approach. And I think it's so funny because for years, I remember pastors that uh, you know I, I know they they would talk about how Facebook is the devil and everything, and now <laughs> they've got signs in front of their churches saying "Watch us live on Facebook every Sunday." So, you know, they they've been trying for the most part. And a lot of the churches around here have been trying to do more outreach in the best way that they can, food deliveries, checking up on the elderly, calling people that have a, you know, have been, you know, dealing with job loss, depression, you know, issues like that. So I don't want to say they've, like, completely dissolved, but it seems like they've completely given up the ability to do anything else. And then for a lot of the churches that were fighting back across the country in terms of how they can meet, whether they could do drive-in church services, whether they can, you know, just even be within six feet of each other on church grounds— you know, it's it's basically died down. It's like the, those who were resisting were basically crushed, and everyone else has basically dwindled their congregations down I- incredibly. I know of uh, one pastor whose congregation of around 400 is now like 50, if you just go by the YouTube numbers. So what, what's what's going on right now? Because this is one of those things where when it went quiet, I realized, oh, shoot, something has happened.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I feel like the church is actually one of the biggest stories to come out of the pandemic because it was such a, um, such a sort of dichotomy to, you know, you would see, you see people inside Target and grocery stores and all of these places with basically no restrictions outside of having to wear a mask. And yet then people weren't allowed to worship together, even in smaller congregations. And so it didn't really make sense. It still doesn't make a lot of sense um, that there was a restriction on one, but not the other. Um, but right now, so so the numbers are, and I, I told you, I just got done looking at some of these stats, so this is very timely. But so when when the pandemic sort of took over the nation last March, uh, only three percent of churches did not shut down their buildings. So vast majority shut down.
0: Um, so, so we're talking they didn't they didn't go with any of the restriction criteria at all, right?
1: And then, yeah. So the well, the three percent that stayed open, I don't know the details of you know what they did or didn't do. Like maybe they required masks or something. But the vast majority closed their doors and went all virtual. Um, most churches did. Uh, They didn't have virtual, they got it. Some didn't, you know, smaller rural types of churches definitely never, never got there. Um, But now as of December, four out of five churches in the country have reopened. Um, However, you know, attendance is way down and I can speak from my own experience at my church, which we opened up back in July. Um, But I would say our attendance is maybe a fifth of what it was um, before the pandemic started. And we also at my church, um, they do masks, they do temperature checks, they do social distancing. Um, which sometimes it seems a little silly because there's so few people there and we're like very spaced out to wear a mask singing is kind of like annoying. But at the same time, um, I'm glad they're open and I'm really glad to go there and be meeting. Um, and then as you mentioned, um, the Supreme court just ruled finally that California can open churches again. I mean, just now this happened. Uh, so it's crazy that Californians have had to wait almost a full year to be able to, I guess you know legally worship or whatever um so but, but the real concern is what does this lack of going to church ultimately mean for a population that was already sort of struggling in the faith and spirituality realm what does this um getting them out of the already bad habits they had what does that mean um, for the future and this and the many ways in which church going actually affects person pers- like our individual lives and our society
0: Yeah, I mean, I I read an article a while back from the Institute on uh, Religion and Democracy, and what they... They they showed some good news and they showed some bad news. They showed that Gen Z, so the the generation after Millennials, I think born after nineteen ninety five, they they are more willing to actually attend a church regularly than their Millennial counterparts. Strangely, Millennials huh. started this trend of actually uh, attending church more often than their parents. It wasn't by much; it was by like five percent or so. But it was it was an increase compared to their parents' generation. And then with Gen Z they seem to be outdoing the millennials by a little bit. Now, you know, I think most of Gen Z, they're they're in college or they're about to graduate from college at this point. Uh, but overall, you know, American church attendance is down. It's been, you know, on a giant decrease since 2012. What, uh, you know, what, what makes it somewhat uncomfortable now is that uh, in the past year, I became a Anglican Catholic. And just before I started attending uh, mass, you know they you know everything started happening and they shut down then they went to all virtual services now what you have to do is you have to email them and you basically have to get on a list to be pre-approved to come actually <laughs> go go to go to mass and what they're doing is they're prioritizing the elderly the people that have been there for like you know 30 40 years and i get it to a degree, but it's like, it, it's made it very hard to want to stay up to date with things. It's made it very hard to, you know, really engage and learn more. And you can only do so much through phone or email. And I mean, for, for me, somebody that went from more of the non-denominational evangelical side of Christianity to, towards more of this, um, you know, old school sense to, to put it bluntly. I mean, it's, a and some, and some Christians might disagree with me on this, but like Christianity is really a, a traditional religion. And I mean, for me, my biggest thing is I like the ceremony aspect. I like the, the physical tangible aspect of it. So when I can't go to mass and do that type of stuff, it, it's a, it's a part of me that's not really getting to engage in what I believe is, is the high church at that point. I know for for a lot of my friends I graduate from Liberty University with, they're like, well, church is with you. You are the church. And it's like, yeah, but is it? Like, is, is it really?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the church, like, yes, you, I don't think, well, the church is not just you. I mean, you are not just like, you can have a personal relationship with God, but like the church is two or three at least, you know? Um, and and that can be on zoom that that doesn't mean that it you know you can't call it a gathering. you can't call it the church. Um, however, um, gathering, you know, and especially in the in the sense that you're talking about in in a Catholic church um, or an Anglican church where so many of those rituals and the things that you do together are such an important part of the ceremony, like that, that stuff is not going to take on the same meaning when you're sitting on your couch, you know? And so I think that, um, you know, and and the other thing I was, I was going to mention is just that I think it was like one in five church going, uh, millennials, I believe was the, uh, was the stat didn't, haven't been to church at all, like zoom or in person, like they just stopped going. And so my fear is that you know, once people are out of the habit of going, that it's going to be really hard to start that habit back up again. Um, And and many churches continue to be, I mean, some churches are still virtual and then others have, you know, have these limits on capacity, um, have all of these barriers, like mask requirements, temperature checks, and all these things. And so um, ultimately, you know, we're coming out of this pandemic, like very traumatized, all of us. And the thing that we need most honestly is is a faith grounding we need something bigger than all of this to sort of pull ourselves out of it and move forward to 2021 and the very best way to do that is to have a faith community but i'm just worried that people are going to have gotten out of the habit they're not going to be proactive about finding it um and and that could be really um really bad for levels of personal happiness for the way our society um functions with things like generosity and volunteerism and civic duty, all of that is very related to how strong the church is in society.
0: Yeah. And I mean, right now, uh, my girlfriend's brother is studying to become a pastor. And for him to start out, and I, I really don't know how church planting actually operates. So I'm just going off of what I've I've witnessed from his experience. But he uh, he's starting a church in Pasadena, Maryland, I hope he doesn't get mad that I just outed where he is. <laughs> but, you know, he he's starting a church there, and what he has to do before he can actually go through the process of finding land, actually constructing a church and everything, uh, what he has to do is he has to start doing services in a high school gym on Sundays. So he he got all the all the permits he got all the approvals from the school but then he got something from the state government basically saying you're not allowed to actually have people in a school building for non-school or non-local government purposes and he was like well everyone just approved it we're going to abide by all the all the social distancing all the capacity rules and everything and they were basically just like no and then um, what he wanted to do was he was just like, you know, maybe I can get approval and I can go ahead and actually just start constructing a church. And in terms of local, uh, lands permits for like commercial use and stuff like that, uh, building a new church is not deemed as essential. So he can't do that because he's putting all the construction workers and everyone at risk for an unnecessary job build. So I'm listening to all of this, trying to wrap my head around it. And it's just like, this is, this is intentional.
1: Like, mm-hmm. if somebody
0: wanted to build a new Amazon Fulfillment Center, that that crap would be up by, like, tomorrow. But what they've yeah. basically done is they, they've taken a side. And what they've basically said is that, you know, re- religion in America doesn't matter. And, and I don't want to feel like I'm, – I'm sorry. I don't want to, like, you know – exclude anyone i don't know how it's been for the jewish community the muslim community the buddhist community um i do know that the local uh, buddhist lotus temple uh in my county um they they've basically like their their congregations like halved. like they just said we can only take half view and the rest of you have to watch stuff online and it's just how it's going to have to be indefinitely So, I mean, I feel like this is just, you know, this isn't just necessarily an anti-Christian move by many state governments. I feel like this is an anti-religion move overall.
1: Yeah, they're doing
0: it to one group of people, they're obviously doing it to others, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think usually these things do affect all religions. I mean, when you think about um, religious liberty issues, like it it covers them all. We just hear more about Christianity because obviously that's the vast majority of, of people in the United States. But- a hundred percent. I think they're all being affected. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard from any of those communities myself, but um, I think you know I can tell you that like leadership, faith leadership is is very concerned about you know the impact of this, and then also they're over. I mean, the pastors and things are are extremely exhausted right now because they have had to go you know above and beyond to make sure that they are do, reaching their congregations in the best way possible. Um, you know, online when they can't meet in person and like they're lacking volunteers, like it's hard to have um, people to do childcare for churches that are open. Um, Just the whole, uh, you know, game of how things were run before um, has been turned on its head and people are having to sort of work with the bare bones of, of, of what's available right now. Um, And, you know, many people are doing it, you know, joyfully and and just trying to get through it and realize that God is doing something. I mean, I personally believe God is doing something bigger than we can see right now. Um, But it has been a very stressful year for church leadership.
0: Is anyone that you know of, is anyone talking about what, you know, this whole situation looks like when things can get back to normal? Because I feel that from from what I've been witnessing, everyone is just kind of taking things day by day right now. And it's not even their fault. I, I'm not saying that they should, you know, definitely be planning to, you know, go back to normal next week. I mean, n- nobody knows when that's going to happen. I think President Joe Biden today said that we're going to go ahead and wear masks for another year. And you've got some people saying you have to wear like 20 of those and uh, everyone wants to get vaccinated by, you know, like April or something like that. I'm probably wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's like there, there's got to be some thinking of, okay, how do we bring people back? And it's not even how do we bring in new people. It's how how do we get the people that were here and now they're just in the habit of it's just not a priority for them in this, in this new world because it seems like everyone's just kind of quiet. They're just trying to do things day by day right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, so there is, there have been some statistics about this. Um, The best place to find any information is from Barna, Barna research. They have, some great information. They've been very closely analyzing everything to do with church and COVID this whole year. And, you know, what they found is that, um, I believe this was Barna. I could be quoting from another company, but regardless, I saw it somewhere reputable that said, most people, you know, say they're going to go back to the same way they attended before. Most people are saying that's what they're going to do. That's their plan. Um, however, you know, how does that actually happen in reality? Um, I don't know. And then, and then, you know, don't forget the fact that, you know, there's lots of people out there that weren't going before, but we, we, we want to get them back too. even though it had been a longer, um, a longer time. That's, you know, that's actually sort of one of my passions is is speaking to women who, um, you know, because there's a, there's a huge, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there who say they're Christians and they haven't been to church in years. They don't go. And so to me, these two things are sort of combined and I have a passion for you out. I'm mm -hmm. sorry I
0: cut you off, but like, do you think that they're just like culturally Christian or like they're actually like in terms of their faith, they are?
1: I, I think, I definitely think some of it's a cultural Christian thing, but I think a lot of people are maybe just sort of, um, not super mature in their faith or they, you know, were more serious about it years ago. And, and you know, in the, the busyness of life or having had a bad experience at a church that didn't work for them, they've sort of let it go. But, but what, we're, what we're seeing is that, um, you know, what I found is that women um, in, a, in a Barna survey, women said that the number one thing that they would like to improve in their lives is getting back to church and, imp- and improving their faith. But yet on that same survey, they put that as the last priority. And so there's this desire to get back to church and prioritize faith, but, but people aren't doing it. And so it's like, how do we hit on, you know, what, you know, how do we get them to say, let's prioritize this. This is actually important. You need to get something out of the way so that you can put this up front and, um, that is sort of where I'm trying to go right now with, with things that I'm writing. It's, it's what I'm working on a book and that's what my book is about. So, um, so yeah, this is a huge thing for me.
0: So let, let's kind of pivot and talk more about that. Uh, 2021 is basically just 2020 part two. Um, I, I really like, I, I'm at the point where I just stop predicting when things will get normal. I mean, it's just I, I have no clue what's happening anymore. But in terms of the challenges for for most churches, is there anything new or different that they're encountering this year that they weren't encountering at, at the height of the pandemic? Or are things basically the same?
1: I mean, I think, you know, at the height, they were mostly closed. So so now I think that the struggle is just getting people back in the doors. So it's uh, better
0: like, just by default. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's better by default. Um, but a lot of people just still aren't going because, because the virus is still contagious. Um, a lot of people uh, have just gotten into the habit of staying home and watching. I've heard some people say they enjoy that. I personally cannot pay attention. <laughs> I really can't listen to a sermon sitting in my living room. It just doesn't work. Plus, I have it's, little it's kids. Just,
0: like it's <laughs> like it's already hard. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like a uh, Anglican Catholic service is just not the most entertaining thing. But yeah, it's one of those things where like when you're there, like that is your that is your focus.
1: Well, I think, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't look at my phone when my pastor is preaching in front of me. Um, but but I think, you know, the main thing is that churches are, are still, you know, having to put a lot of hard work in, is that they are still trying to offer, you know, the both of them, the in-person and the online. They want the online experience to still be good for those people that are worried about, you know, gathering, yet they want to make the in-person service good for the people that do want to be there. And so that's sort of like double work and my church is very small. They only have four people on staff. And so I know that they have been sort of, oh, and we lost our pastor. So we have an interim uh-huh. pastor. So it's, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a crazy year. Um, and, and I don't know how mega churches are faring. I haven't really um, dug into that too much. Um, I think they, I think most of them are meeting again, but like lots of services, like caps on attendance and things like that. So uh, yeah, there, I think there,
0: yeah. I mean, there there are two mega churches within like fifteen minutes of my house, and ironically, one of them opened up in March of twenty twenty. So I feel kind of bad for them.
1: Oh, geez. But like
0: what they did, and I mean, I, I see this. I see this as an opportunity for a lot of growth, for a mm-hmm. lot of you know positive things to come out of what they did was they basically they they didn't double the number of services, but like they, they kept the, the regular services for people that were in the habit previously before everything. And we all just started wearing sweatpants all day. And, and then what they started doing was they actually start focusing on more content like you would mm-hmm. have you would have the Sunday service but then like during the week they'll have like conversations and live streams with the pastor yeah. with the youth pastor or they'll just have an afternoon where they're just playing music and i look at that and it's like well you know some for a lot of those people that you know these mega churches they have larger staff it's like if they're not going to be doing much because there's not much they can actually do i don't see that as an excuse not to try and do anything extra. And that's the one thing that I've been somewhat impressed about. It's that they've been creative in terms of how to keep people not just engaged on Sunday, but how to keep people engaged regularly throughout the week.
1: Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of that. I mean, my church was doing nightly prayer for like three months on Facebook Live. Um, So they were really getting it out there. But I think, you know, in terms of opportunity for growth, Um, one of the things we know is that people make decisions about faith in times of transition, tragedy, or trauma. And, you know, you could say all three of those things have happened uh, to our society in the past year. And so what I'm hoping is that we will see people, you know, sort of reevaluating their lives, you know, you know, for the first time, for some people, um, we were, you know, they felt fully out of control. There was nothing you could do. Um, you realize maybe that, um, there is something, you know, you need to have something a little deeper in your life. And so I'm hoping that this, and and actually, um, I know I'm full of stats, but but there, and I can't remember, but there's a good chunk of people who have said that their faith has increased over, over 2020. And so I think that's promising. Um, I actually have a really good friend who um, just started going to church for the first time. Like she- oh, wow. She, well, she had kind of grown up Catholic here and there, but never been real consistent. And then in the past, I don't know, 15 years, probably only went a few times. And so she had been really feeling this draw to go to church and checked out a few online services. She had a bad experience with one of the online services. Um, but then finally, uh, you know, found a bigger church in the area where she lives, went to it, and she has been going every week for the first time in person now. And so her story really gives me a lot of hope because, you know, she thinks that it could be, you know, partially the pandemic that was part of that draw or part of the sort of formula that got her thinking like, I need to be doing this. And so I think that there is opportunity there um, for people to start making decisions and about their faith in ways that they weren't before.
0: For the, for the number of churches nationwide that have closed, I, I think it was like one out of ten or something is like completely shut down. Like people stop tithing, people stop doing anything. Like it's it, it's one of those things where it's like this is kind of a big deal. And yeah, you
1: know, if you're if you're somebody, churches down on tithing.
0: Oh my gosh! In a way, and, and I, I yeah, this is I'm trying to word this correctly. In a way, if a church just complete if 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 a congregation like completely dies, it's one of those situations where it's like is it really the pandemic's doing <laughs> or is this really that congregations doing?
1: well that's that's a great point that actually kind of relates to church planting, which you were talking about and something I learned in the past couple of years is that, Churches are actually meant to have a life cycle. Um, they are not meant to last forever. And you know, honestly, some churches that close down that may have been something that needed to happen for new life to spring up in that place. And so, um, you know, the the thing about church planting is that um, studies show that the more uh, like if a church opens plants a church out of their own church, that church is more likely to survive. And so the, the sort of the life cycles and the, um, you know, moving forward of creating new churches is is actually great for faith in America. And so if a church dies, like that's not
0: necessarily a bad thing. So it's kind of like a brush fire mentality. Like you've got to kind of like, you know, blaze the forest. So hopefully something stronger and better and healthier will come up in its place.
1: Yeah, sometimes that's that's very true when it comes to churches. You need something new. And uh, it's, it's something I had never thought about until a couple of years ago when I started reading more about church planting. And it's kind of fascinating when you think about it. So I do think in that way, you know, this pandemic, I'm not saying it's great news to hear about churches that have closed down for good. I definitely am not celebrating that. But at the same time, I think it's like, okay, that happened. Maybe some of that needed to happen what's next. We're always looking ahead. Um, and you know, we know as Christians, we believe that, uh, the church is not going anywhere. Uh, and so there's always another plan. There's always another step and, you know, we're just trusting, um, God to lead that, but the church will always exist and, um, will not, you know, be shut down for good. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've, like prior to the pandemic, I was already kind of emotionally ready for all of these changes, because, uh, you know, since I was 18, I, I was a I was a I was a Methodist and like, you know, the, the Methodists in the United States have been the butt of the joke amongst the Christian community for for a while now. I mean, the joke right now is you're going to start having uh, African missionaries come actually do, uh, <laughs> you know, missionary work to former Former Methodist in the United <laughs> States, and it's like that was one of those situations where you know a lot of people kind of just lost their shit, so to speak, and they're like, "Well, I'm never going to another service again," or "Oh my gosh, the whole the whole thing is crumbling down," and you know what, what, what's what's going to happen to Christianity in America? Because the, you, the United Methodist Church is one of the largest uh, Christian denominations in the United States, and I, you know I, I was on the conservative side of all their their problems, which I mean are a whole laundry list of things, and I just kind of sat back and I looked at it. And I'm like, you know, this isn't like what, what is, what is worth saving here at this Mm -hmm. point? Because Mm -hmm. at this point, it's really just a corporate body. It's a corporate body that is split on a bunch of issues. And it seems like one side, the the more liberal side is at the point now where they, they just want to completely do a hostile takeover. So it's like, is it worth that? Or is it worth kind of just you know divorcing so to speak and moving on because it's like if you can't if you can't come together on fundamental things you probably shouldn't stay together and that's you know I think that was actually one of the better things for me because it really made me evaluate my faith so I look at a lot of people now where they're dealing with you know you know, inner political inter-political issues within their churches over the lockdowns and everything else where they, they don't like watching stuff on YouTube or Facebook, so they just have no attachment to their church anymore. And I'm kind of like, you know, if, if this is what has to be done in order to show what people truly believe, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, the the church has been under scrutiny and it's had problems since its foundation. This this idea that this is anything new and that this is the worst stage in in, in the history of the church, I, I'm not I'm not of that mindset anymore. I just yeah, think it no. is natural and this is you know whether it happened now or happened later, it's going to happen again.
1: Well, I love that you have this story honestly because that's a huge part of my book where I've t- I've spoken to you a lot of people, um, about s- basically switching, not their faith, but either a denomination or the way that they practice their faith because of some, you know, negative associations from the past. And I think what's interesting is people don't really recognize that like, you can do that. I mean, maybe they know it intellectually, but like, don't ever do it. But it's like, if you went to a Catholic church your whole life and you aren't into that, like you have other options. If you went to a Baptist church your whole life where you were Pentecostal or whatever it may be, and you don't like say the, the legalism or you don't like, um, you know, the hell, hellfire brimstone that was preached at your Southern Baptist church. Well, there are so many other churches and denominations. And now there are tons of house churches. That's another big movement um, to choose from. And so my big message is to people is to say to people, try something else. Like we all have this innate desire to have a faith. I mean, we are all spiritual beings. Like every single person is a spiritual person. And we were all born with this um, desire for God in our hearts. And so I'm not, I'm not a proponent of just like, you know, like letting God just be whatever. Like I I want people, of course, as a Christian, I want them to find uh, Christianity. However, um, I think just opening your mind to the possibility that what you grew up with wasn't, isn't necessarily, um, you know, right for you It is something to think about. Like you, there's a lot of stuff to try. And, um, so I'm encouraging people to do that. Um, and to just say, Hey, what if, what if, and, and so I'm hoping that's the the message I can send with my book.
0: Absolutely. And uh, do you have a title yet?
1: I don't have a title yet. So, uh, I <laughs> that's, have a tent- always, that's
0: always like one of the worst parts of writing.
1: Yeah, I have a tentative title, but I don't want to say it because I don't know if that's going to be do it. You don't want
0: to jinx it. Do you don't want to jinx it. I totally understand. Yeah, I
1: don't want to jinx it, but it's, uh, <laughs> the book is currently with an agent, so we're shopping it around and hopefully somebody will buy it.
0: <laughs> well, when you do have a title and when everything does work out as it should, uh, definitely come back and let's talk more about it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Erica, um, I wish we could go on for like another hour, except right now I've, I've, been, I've been muting my mic constantly, <laughs> coughing and wheezing like a madman. So I've got to go you know, take a Benadryl nap or something. Do uh if, if people want to catch up with everything you're doing, look at some of your other books, follow you on social media. How could they do so?
1: Well, the, I'm right now I'm really pushing my new uh Substack, so ericaanderson.substack.com. You, you can subscribe there and get stuff, but also just ericaanderson.com you can find social media, all the things. So
0: Perfect. And I'll include everything in the show notes. Erica, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, uh, folks. I I know that the episodes have been a little bit shorter the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to you know get my lungs back to where they were prior. I feel like you know I, I've been smoking since like 10 years old or something. That's how that's how it feels right now. But I promise, once I get back to full capacity, we'll uh, we'll keep going longer. I'll be more energetic. I might throw a joke here and there, like I used to. You know, I promise I won't. It won't be like this forever, but uh, you know, thank you for your well wishes, your prayers. A lot of you have been just been reaching out, uh, you know, on Facebook and Twitter, and just just saying, "Hey," hoping that uh, you know the, my recovery gets better. It's it's going on three weeks now, and I'm not I'm not absolutely worried because I'm making progress. But please, uh, we're not going to talk about vaccines. You all know what what my opinion of that whole process is. But really, if you're feeling sick, please go get tested. It takes a few minutes. It's free. And this is really not something you want to pass on to somebody else. Regardless of your opinion of COVID, everything else, just know that, uh, you know, I'm 26 and rather healthy and uh, I didn't just get over it. And I'm still dealing with it now. And I caught pneumonia for the first time in my life because of it. So, I mean, please, there are people out there who are elderly, who have respiratory issues, who have uh, weakened immune systems. The least you could do is go get tested and then take the proper precautions afterwards. As always, thank you so much again. We'll be back later in the week. I'm Rems W. Martinez. Be safe, be good. Good night. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at WeareLibertarians.com, like The Chris Spangle Show, Liberty Explained, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty. Freedom's Trips with Keaton Tucker, On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Upward Libertarian Activism, and now hear this. Tune in now and we're going to help you sound smarter when talking with your friends.